Hello, Eileen. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. Once again, we missed our Thursday deadline and didn't get an episode out on Thursday, but there was very good reason for that. Yes, this is a special episode. So for all those hordes of listeners who are waiting with bated breath for our episode on Thursday, sorry to disappoint you, but you're in for a cracking episode today. Yes, very interesting um, we're we're releasing this on Mother's Day as a Mother's Day special, as Phil said. And um, what a week it's been. A really strange, emotionally turbulent week for women, I think, in the UK. It started off with International Women's Day on Monday, the 8th of March. Um, the theme for this year of International Women's Day, do you know what it is? It is Choose to Challenge. Um, a challenged world is an alert world, which is a really interesting theme, I Indeed. think. And I think it's something that, you know, we all need to think about. Um, one of the challenges that has come about during the week and which has made it very emotionally turbulent is the shocking news regarding Sarah Everard. And yes. I'm not going to go into the details no. of that. You know, it's not right to prejudge anything at this stage but it's certainly heightened enormously the anxiety amongst women um, the news has been littered with discussion about events um, the arrest and so on um, and it brought about the uh, resurgence of the reclaim these streets initiative now, I can remember, this is going back a very long time ago, as a young person, a young student, going off to Bradford in the late 70s, early 80s, when the Yorkshire Ripper was a thing. And I went off to university thinking, you know, excitement, here we go, lots of events, lots of clubs, lots of socialising to be done. But we were told... Lectures finished at three o'clock. Um, we were to go straight back to our accommodation, not to linger in the streets, not to stay out. Women had to get home, be safe. It was quite literally a terrifying time. Um, and I'd really kind of forgotten about it until this Reclaim These Streets came back this week. I think from my memory of it, that was certainly the start of the um, Reclaim the Streets type movement. And uh, I think uh, some people who I've spoken to who have lived in that area during that time have said that they felt a very distinct change in the attitude of people at that point. Uh, it's many, many years ago now. Mm. Uh, but that seemed to be one of the starting points of this um, the difficulties in terms of women being out alone at night and uh, feeling very vulnerable and that sort of thing. Um, and let's be realistic about it. What the um, Chief Constable of the Metropolitan Police said Cressida is Dick. true. Uh -huh. Cressida Dick. Uh, that um, stranger violence is a, is a very uh, rare uh, situation in our society, mm. um, even now. Mm. Uh, but nevertheless, something which people uh, do obviously have a heightened awareness of, given the circumstances of this week's mm. uh, situation. But it has opened up that whole awareness, that whole discussion. 
um, about violence against women and domestic violence is obviously a very major issue and I think that you know that theme choose to challenge choose to challenge how these issues are dealt with is probably a positive step moving forward so on what has been as I say a very turbulent emotional time um, where women I think have been under the spotlight in terms of how they've reacted their responses to these events um, we then move forward to Sunday being Mother's Day yes the whole the whole gamut really of uh, of motherhood is celebrated during the course of this weekend and I think our um, guest for this week uh, very much reflects all of those different roles yeah and so we we will be talking to Julie Julie will be reading us uh, her lockdown thoughts this is Julie reading her lockdown thoughts her experiences between March and June of 2020 and then we'll have a chat with Julie about um, how things have been and her thoughts and reflections on her writing as it was in June 2020. Very much looking forward to it. Here we go. It's the Mental Health Podcast with Eileen and Phil. It's the Mental Health Podcast with Eileen and Phil. Hi Julie, good morning and thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning. It's lovely to be with you. This is kind of following on from an episode we did a couple of weeks ago where we had somebody reading their lockdown thoughts, notes that they'd written uh, and recorded early on during last year. And I know that you're willing to share your lockdown thoughts. So are you happy to read those to us now? Absolutely. That would be great. Thank you. I just just want to start off by saying that I know that I've been in a very fortunate position during mm-hmm. lockdown mm-hmm. and that other people have suffered a, a great deal. But mm-hmm. these were just my thoughts and reflections at the time of um, the end of lockdown one. Right. Thank you. It's the Mental Health Podcast with So it's 5.30, June the 1st. Sunlight is streaming through my window and the birds are singing. Like the bee bumping my window, my head is buzzing with thoughts. After 80 days in lockdown, I'm anticipating the day ahead. My granddaughter, Millie's eighth birthday breakfast party. My first real trip out since the last normal photo on my phone which was Wednesday, the 11th of March, 2020. It's Seren, my youngest granddaughter, four years old, shown baking cakes in my kitchen. I've looked at this photograph many times during lockdown. It's given me a smile on the most down of days, but also concentrated thoughts of the sense of loss, the time stolen that I will not get back with her. Having cared for her every Wednesday since she was one, 2020 were the final months of of grandma and granddad time before she started on her great adventure of school. 
this time we would never get back by COVID-19. The sense of loss has been my most predominant emotion during lockdown. Initially, the disappointment of crossing through events on my calendar. First, a trip to London for a dear friend's birthday. Two years in the planning because schedules were so action-packed before COVID. Then the concerts, family birthday parties, lunch with friends, just a line through a date, a crossing off of connections. I knew it was coming. Having studied epidemiology when I'd been nursing, I watched in dread at the news from Wuhan. The time-last footage of human ants frantically building a hospital in six days. That kind of activity could only mean one thing, the virus was out of control. It was coming for us, my family, my friends, my neighbours. The speed at which it arrived on our shores shocked me. When eventually lockdown came, it came as a relief. I could stay in legitimately. For the two weeks prior, I had been reluctant to socialise and go to the Oxfam shop where I volunteer. Trying to warn people of what was coming felt bewildering. Was I being an alarmist? My friends, my family, my husband were reacting to me as if I'd gone a bit potty. I had to fight the urge to shout, get inside and stay there, for fear of being shunned. If friends phoned for advice, I felt I had to temper my reaction with their mounting confusion and fear. They were not hearing what they wanted from me. Instead, it was talk of hand sanitizers, isolation, and should you wear a mask? It was received like a foreign language. Over the coming weeks, watching the news in horror, but not being able to tear myself away from it, I felt other people's loss, as pictures of mass graves and lone departures from this world filled my days and sleepless nights. Unable to cry, numb, till a video of Italians singing opera from their windows in Siena tipped me over the edge. Then our own loss, my father-in-law Jim, at 94, slipped away. Not from COVID-19, he had just grown too tired to carry on. The restrictions of not being able to travel meant I could not attend his funeral 250 miles away. Sitting alone in the house, curtains drawn, a single candle lit, flowers picked from my garden placed by Jim's smiling picture on the order of service. I listened to the recorded voice of a stranger read out the life of a man I had known for 42 years. I cried hot, bitter tears. Tears of anger, that I couldn't be there. Tears of grief, tears of shame, that I could not be there to honour the man I had loved all my married life. Tears that I could not be there to support my husband through the most difficult of times. This was my lowest part of lockdown. Now in stark contrast, I have a newly turned eight-year-old before me, dressed in a pink princess costume with the biggest beaming smile I've ever seen her wear. Both of us resisting the urge to rush to hug each other over our two-metre gap. We are in my son's partner's garden, 
it's a sunny, happy day. We sit as a family down to breakfast, not at the same table yet, but at least in the same garden. Two hours slip away in a flash of present unwrapping and card showing, eating and drinking, while we try to normalise the new norm of social distancing. The morning is fabulous, but then back at my own house that afternoon comes a floodgate of tears and I try to rationalise why I'm having such a reaction. I find I can't. Like so many things since March 2020, I just have to let it go and be grateful we are through the first phase. We are the lucky ones. Julie, thank you for that. that yes, was thank you very much. Absolutely beautiful, very moving. Um, so many themes that we could explore in that. Um, we're hoping that this will go out in time for Mother's Day, which is tomorrow. We're recording this on Saturday, tomorrow being Mother's Day. And in common with lots of mums out there, and certainly mothers of our generation, you will have lots of roles. You're a mother, a grandmother, a wife, a daughter, a sister, a mother-in-law. And all of those relationships have kind of come across in your writing, I think. Um, so it, how does that feel? I mean, it's, <laughs> we, we hold such um, so many threads in those relationships. How does that feel to you? I think I think lockdowns made me appreciate all the roles that I have much, much more. It's given me time to think about them rather than pre-COVID dashing about to the next um, engagement or the next thing that has to be done on your to-do list. Um, so it has given me a, a much better appreciation of my role in the family. Mm, interesting, yes. And Julie, um, obviously, over the course of that um, uh, very moving uh, reading that you just let us uh, share, um, you, you mentioned a few times the word loss there, didn't you? Yes. We think of loss, don't we? I mean, you, obviously, you have had bereavement or mentioned bereavement during the course of that um, reading, but equally other other losses, like the emotional loss and that sort of thing. Do, do you want to just expand on that at all? Just that sort of feeling that you, you know, that, that came across as far as loss and, ha and how you've been able to to get through that and, and deal with that in these most more, more, more sort of difficult and challenging times? Yes, I think I've probably been through every emotion that's possible mm. during this time. I think mm. the sense of loss of um, watching my grandchildren grow up through Zoom and they seem mm. to have changed such a lot in the time that um, we've been yes. in lockdown. Um, some of the milestones we've shared over Zoom, but it, yes. it's not the same as having them sit on your knee and tell them, you know, t allow them mm. some space to tell you what they've achieved. Um, it's, mm. it's a substitute and we're learning to live with it. Um, we hope we yes. don't have to live with it forever. The girls, I think, have been more adaptable than we have 
I'm ashamed to say, but I think new technology has been more difficult sometimes for older people. Um, yes. I think I'm coming to terms with the sense of loss and the fact that I found new ways to connect with people. Uh, it's been really important to find those new ways. Um, some of the ways that I've got over the loss with time with my grandchildren is that um, I began to write them letters. Now, having had, you know, the very privileged position of looking after them every week, I know a lot of grandparents have uh, mm. with their um, grandchildren because people have moved away for jobs or marriage or some mm. other reason, um, even in, a, mm. in another country. So I, I appreciate that perhaps letter writing has been something that they've been doing, but this was new to me. The girls have mm. absolutely loved it. And so have mm. I. Um, it's oh. been a great um, connection. When I didn't mm. have a lot to talk about, I, talk, I told them about my childhood via the letters. I would draw them little mm. funny sketches of me sitting in a library learning to read about the same age as they were so they could relate <laughs> to that. Um, mm. So there's been a yin and yang to the loss really there's been a positive side to the loss through yes. the months um i think the loss of my grand um my father-in-law we're, we're mm. still struggling with that because we've had no closure it was his yeah. it would have been his 95th birthday yesterday so he's in our thoughts this weekend mm. and I think we're longing as a family to be able to get together to say goodbye to him properly and honour his memory. So that's something that I think we're all kind of looking forward to in a way that we can do that as a family. Um, but as yet, we don't know when that's going to happen. Um, loss of being able to comfort my mother-in-law as my yeah. role as a daughter-in-law, uh, I feel that very acutely. Um, she's had a very hard time during this okay. lockdown period because she's experienced grief and living on her own for the first time in her life mm -hmm. so again that that you know has been quite a big loss um yeah. and i think the loss of being able to support my husband i'm i'm sure there's been lots of people in this position that couldn't be with their loved ones when they lost someone and the guilt and trying to cope with the guilt after that has been very, very difficult. I almost felt like I had to ask for forgiveness, not for being there, but there wasn't anything I could do to get there. I think I would have run the 250 miles if I could have. Mm -hmm. um, but that that's all part of working through the grief with the family. Yes, and it's interesting how you've how you've did you know uh, earlier just as you were speaking about that managed to sort of turn that on its head a bit in terms of thinking about the positivity mm. that you could even gain from those really difficult and challenging things the things that you have lost over the course of time yeah. you know the idea of writing a letter or and and also the idea that you know our, our lives are such that whilst we may not be able to to fully deal with some of the losses that we've had in this moment actually time will move on and there will be opportunities to get together with family at some point in the future uh, in order to be able to then 
you know, do, do the things that we would normally have done outside of these sort of COVID uh, restriction, restrictive times. Yeah, and I think that um, I, that sense of kind of acknowledging on the day of the funeral your own kind of ceremony, your yeah. own yeah. Um, gesture to acknowledge that loss is quite an important part in that grieving process, isn't yeah. it? While you're not part of that small shared experience in being at the funeral um, aspects that you can introduce yourself to help you feel that you're acknowledging that occasion is really important I feel definitely do you find it was a very very significant moment in my life and you just appreciate that um, we need other people in our lives, whether it be a friend, you know, whether it be a neighbour or even just someone that you've met in, you know, serving you your groceries, that interconnection Absolutely. that we have and having yes. to deal with something by yourself and how difficult that can be. But actually, after the event, when I'd had my own little ceremony, Telling people about it and them being sympathetic, whether that was a phone call or whether it was over Zoom or, you know, talking to a neighbour at a mm-hmm. distance. Um, and that that your grief is being acknowledged by other people, I think is really yeah. important. And the fact that you share that grief with other people is really important for you um, from yeah, a mental absolutely. health point of view. I think as as adults, you know, maybe we think, oh, we should be coping with these things. But those kind of events in our life, we need to let our emotions out. It's not always easy to let our emotions out. But I found that it's taken time. It didn't happen overnight. But I am coming to terms with those weeks that we had where we couldn't be together as a family in the most important time. Yes. But the, the, again, the yin and yang of that is that we've had time to plan what we want to do in order to honour Jim, our father-in-law, my father-in-law and Ian's dad. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And everybody's had an input in. So we know exactly yeah. what we're going to do when we can do it. And mm. in some respects, having a little bit of distance is maybe... Um, allowing people emotionally to be able to carry that out. It's still raw, but it's not as raw when we first lost him. Um, I think that's an excellent way of seeing things and kind of moving forward, actually seeing that there will be that occasion, that event, a celebration of Jim's life Absolutely. perhaps is that the kind of yes thing? Yeah. yes and um, it will be held in a very significant place up in the northeast a place where he loved to visit um, so we wouldn't have been able to do that during the restrictions so you know we're hoping that yeah. whenever that is lifted we'll we'll all be together I- then yeah, I think there were a couple of phrases that really stuck out for me early on in your writing, Julie. One was stolen time and the other was crossing off of connections. Mm. And I think from all that you've said since, you've kind of turned that around so amazingly. So your writing was in June of 2020 with that very strong sense of 
you know, that that loss, that stolen time, that crossing off of connections. And I thought, oh, gosh, you know, one of the really important aspects for maintaining our well-being is that sense of connection. And I think you've shown how the connections that you had expected during last year weren't taking place, but you had had to learn a whole new way of connecting which I think, you know, you've, you've shown that you've done that brilliantly. Do you feel that you have kind of um, substituted those lost connections in a very positive way? Yes, yes. And the connections are some, they're deeper in some respects, um, almost mm. because we've had a shared loss as a, a society. Mm. You know, we're, we're all going through the same thing. So sometimes those connections can be very, very important to people um that we have shared this um yes I, i've become a bit of a zoom queen <laughs> which, which um, is totally unexpected i hadn't even heard of zoom like many of us before lockdown and yeah. um was i wasn't well perhaps i was feeling lonely um because prior mm. to covid19 i had a very very busy social life and yes. um getting up day after day and looking at the calendar which was blank seemed very strange so i i mm. kind of got myself on zoom taught myself how to use it and then started inviting <laughs> lots of groups of friends um to the point yeah. where you have to be careful that you know you're not zooming people out where they're just a bit <laughs> fed up over zooming yes. But I think yeah. it, when we first when we first started zooming, it was such an important connection. Um, I think people felt awkward, people felt embarrassed. We we hadn't had this kind of communication before. Uh, the difference now, almost a year on, is people are very relaxed with this kind of way of communicating. <laughs> but I remember the awkward silences, and then the everybody talking over each other as we um, tried to make some kind of conversation and that the, the big question is uh, have you done anything exciting this week to which the answer was normally not really <laughs> yeah I was also struck I mean you said that you had a knowledge and awareness because of your study of epidemiology that you were kind of anticipating the pandemic in a way you you could see it creeping up perhaps before many of your um, colleagues friends neighbors were really aware of it is yeah. that right yeah that, do you think and do you think that but yeah you were still you still had that sense of shock but there was that preparedness and I wonder if that's helped you also to adjust perhaps to the zoom technology you know that thinking right I know I've got to be prepared to do something yeah. different do you think yeah I think mm. I think that having well they say having some knowledge is a dangerous thing isn't it yeah, but mm. I I suppose that that we have had some false starts with pandemics SARS before mm. um so yeah it, it's been talked about in the medical profession for years and you know um mm. we know that th there's there has been some plans for pandemics before this mm -hmm. but i think 
when you're thinking about things in the abstract, they don't really sink in. And having lived through it all now, we do know the impact that it makes on us. But I, those first few weeks, I felt, yeah. I felt completely isolated, to be honest, that I, I felt I had yeah. the knowledge that I knew this was coming. And lots of people were kind yeah. of poo-pooing it and saying, you know, I'm not, mm. I'm not sure this is right. You know, I don't think this is going to be happening. Mm. And even, mm. you know, when I said when it landed on our shores, it was a shock because it just travelled around the world so quickly. Um, friends mm. who yeah. were away on holiday, you were desperate to hear news that they were back safely. Um, mm. And I think trying to wrap everybody in a cocoon was my objective at that time trying right. somehow to protect people um, without frightening mm. them yes yeah that very fine balance yeah. isn't it yeah between heightening awareness and anxiety yes. but actually delivering that information in a um, safe way that people do know how to behave yeah. safely and but yeah, even now yeah. it, it doesn't feel real sometimes when I think about those first few weeks because they were so strange and so foreign to us mm, yes indeed and now Julie now we have a roadmap out for the future so um thinking about that what would you um what what would be the uh, the one thing you'll do as a priority uh, when uh, these uh, situations are now uh, eased and relaxed being together as a family just you know seeing my grandchildren again even if we aren't even allowed to hug which is really really difficult just to be in their presence and um, to see their smiling faces I have to say that the roadmap has already started hasn't it they've gone back to school and I can already see yes. a difference in the children about how happy they are to be with their friends um lots of more jokes and cracking jokes and being more confident mm. than they were from that period from possibly February through to the beginning of March we were beginning to see that they were they were quieter and right, um, I yeah. think just seeing their reaction to getting back to normal and you know when we can eventually get back to normal and see them that will be just fantastic the other thing I'd like to add is I love walking but I'm so fed up with walking I just want to sit down with a cup of coffee and talk to somebody <laughs> no more walking please yes I can totally <laughs> relate to that <laughs> very much so and then of course yeah. as the roadmap comes out we will be you know carrying out uh, Jim's memorial Yes, yes, indeed, absolutely. Yeah, so wish you very all the best with that. Um, I was just going back to a thing, you know, just um, the, the children going back to school has been a really interesting one because just that sort of normalisation when you're out at sort of three o'clock in the afternoon in the car driving to only essential journeys, of course, to sort of shop and whatever, and you see children walking along having just got out of school, you know, from secondary schools or whatever. It's just that that's just been totally missing almost for a year, hasn't it? It has. You know, you, you know that there have been times when children have gone back, but then they've, they've, they've had a staggered return or 
or only certain year groups have done that and that sort of thing. And, it, and just to see a, a whole gang of, of teenagers, <laughs> really, just uh, walking along together in a, in a sort of huddle and, and just sort of getting on with it, really, just seems so, so yes. normal. Yeah, and it's just <laughs> so yeah. joyous to see. Um, I was walking past the playground of a local school um, the first day they were back, and it must have been their first sort of playtime break, and the noise of these infant yeah. children laughing, screaming, they were just having so much fun. And it, it was like music to your ears because I think a lot of the time there has been lots of silences there where you would expect noise in lockdown. There's just been these Absolutely. silences and to hear that laughter and just, as Phil says, yeah. just such a normal thing was, you know, music to my ears. That's lovely. And you're absolutely right. The silence has been quite incredible. A hush descending across yes. the land, yeah. isn't it, really? Um, so, yes, to hear that hustle and bustle and those joyful yeah. shouts. Will be when, whenever we move from one phase of our lives to the next, and um, it happens usually without even acknowledging it, um, these kind of milestones that we're passing now feel false in some reaction but I just wanted to say to the listeners that there are some things that I will miss about lockdown and mm. one of them right. has to do with my grandchildren and the fact that when they were being homeschooled we were very fortunate enough mm. to have very supportive son and he facilitated that we did science lessons online with them so very basic for an oh, eight-year-old and a four-year-old at the time usually involved grandma trying to blow something up with you know uh, vinegar and um, bicarbonate <laughs> soda vinegar and flour um, and you know we had such a lovely time with them doing science yes. and the yeah. other day well they didn't seem to be taking much notice I have to say and we had no control of them at the other end while my son worked <laughs> and they were in the garden on the iPad yes. but um, yeah. they they actually came back with something that we taught them and it absolutely knocked my socks oh. off that they'd listened and remembered <laughs> <laughs> oh fantastic we will know in the next couple of months where the source of all the stink bombs are coming from <laughs> so you know they have been real gems within lockdown as well yeah so absolutely some gems within lockdown and is there anything in particular julie that you would say really helped you get through the past year um well i've been locked down with my husband and i would have to say it would be my husband ian <laughs> because oh, right. i think it's probably the most time we've ever spent together in our lives yeah. Um, he retired yeah. just before COVID, so he wasn't used to being yeah. in the house. I wasn't used to having him in the house. So we've had to learn <laughs> uh, a new roadmap, basically, of how we mm. negotiate who's in what room at the same time. Who's <laughs> in charge of the remote control. So he's, he's been my main support, but I have some amazing friends who I've leaned on a lot. Just, not only just for kind of socialising, but emotionally as well. We've shared a lot. Yeah. So I'm ever so grateful for all of those relationships. The thing that I've found hardest, though, is 
trying to support my children during lockdown. Both of them have worked mm. and they've both worked mm. extremely hard. Um, but I think mm. they have been trying as best they can to protect us from what's been yes. going on in the outside world. And you could almost um, mm. feel the fear where if they did come to see us, you know, wave through the window, that kind of mm. role reversal of my children protecting me for the first time in my life. Right. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? And, you know, you've talked a lot about your role as a grandmother, but then that role as a mother, as you say, is slightly changed from the one that you would have Absolutely, seen in yeah. the past. Yeah. And an interesting consequence of the nature of the uh, of the actual pandemic itself that it was older people obviously who were likely to be more affected in one way or another by by the virus, and younger people felt that little bit more sort of uh, not protected in a way, but, but yeah. less vulnerable to it. And so, as you say, there, there's been that role reversal, hadn't there, whereby younger people were having to put to sort of safeguard and protect and shield. They're old, yeah. they're the older people, <laughs> rather than yeah. rather than often the other way around, where you know it's it's the older people looking after the younger ones because of the you know yeah. in, in economic or environmental situation. Yeah. And I would situations. just like to point out here that older people are anyone over the age of fifty. Of course, yes. So we're not talking no. about necessarily. <laughs> well, old, I, I was I was just about kind of to say that one of the but... things that I had to come to terms with was that I was an older person now. I'd never had it like that before, but it's 64 then. Yes, I was an older person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, goodness. But very young at heart and young in your ways and everything, everything, you know, being able to adapt and cope in ways that have been really a testimony to, to you and your role as a parent, as a grandmother and wanting to make things work for the best for everybody um, which I think is the role that a lot of mums <laughs> big pat on the back to all those mothers out there on Mother's Day you know it's something that we've had to do to keep those definitely, connections going definitely. yes and we had we had Jen um, who was a new mum during lockdown and one of our previous oh, episodes last, last episode, episode. Yes. And, and she was saying the same thing a big pat on the back to all mums and new mums uh, who've had to cope with very unusual circumstances oh. and, 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 and uh, change their expectations of, of motherhood and yes. you know, that sort of thing during this course of time. Yeah, the shape of it, the how it looks is very, very yeah. different, isn't it? Is there anything, Julie, that you've discovered about yourself that surprised you over um, the last year? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, <laughs> I think... I'm stronger than I think that having um, mm. been put under stress, I can cope with it yes. and I can mm. move forward. And I think that's the thing that I've learned through lockdown is as, as much as, you know, it's nice to look back in memories, trying to look forward is the way for me now. Um, you know, we've had phrases like looking forward over the roadmap, but actually looking forward to each day is what I'm concentrating on now. That each day is right. very precious, yeah. that lots of people didn't make it through the pandemic. They haven't got tomorrow, but I've got tomorrow and 
um, I can make the best of that. So I think for me that that's been the thing that I've learned about myself that I can try and live in the moment and I can yes. cope with not having plans. And it's actually quite freeing yeah. in some ways. Prior to COVID, I probably looked yes. at the calendar probably about seven or eight times a day. No point now. No point now. There's nothing <laughs> on there. But um, it, it's, it's made me stop yeah. and think about what's important in my life and how I go about making that a priority um, post-lockdown. And how will you be celebrating <laughs> Well. Any form of celebration. <laughs> Last Mother's Day was through the patio window. Um, mm, <laughs> um, yeah. And I think maybe it's the same this year. I think possibly through the patio, maybe with the window open at a distance. <laughs> um, I think <laughs> it makes me, every Mother's Day makes me think of when my children were born. And makes me reflect on, you know, yes. what a gift they've been. Um, the fact that maybe yeah. my daughter's working, so I probably won't see her. To me, that that's not the important uh -huh. thing. It's the years and days that we've all spent together that are the important thing. So even if I can't be with them, I know that um, there's going to be times where we yeah. can enjoy Mother's Day again. I'm very hopeful about that when we can yes. all be together. Um, but this, you know, it's a celebration in itself just being a mum. Yeah, indeed it is. It's it is. a privilege, isn't it? And a pleasure. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I mean, I can remember last Mother's Day, I think it was the the day when things were beginning. It was that heightened awareness that we were going into lockdown, weren't we? I can't remember if we were quite locked down, but we were certainly going into it. And um, I know that one of my sons living the furthest point, we're in West Wales and he's in the east of England. And I think he had arranged a little surprise delivery of or we had to collect from one of our local favourite bakeries a, an afternoon tea. So um, went off to collect this afternoon tea to be had the next day. And it was like a little, it was wonderful. It was lovely and what a treat, but it was a sort of taste of things to come. It was like this remote celebrating <laughs> Mother's Day on your own in a very remote way um, and thinking, well, this is lovely. But, you know, fairly soon we'll all be together. But it actually then transpired that for months and months and months we were not going to be together. Whereas I think this Mother's Day we are perhaps seeing that there will be a point coming, yeah. hopefully fairly soon in this year, when we will actually be able to yeah. have that physical presence, um, which, you know, all of us out there will hopefully be able to, to enjoy. Lots of catching up. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of catching up indeed. Yes, absolutely. So um, thank you very much, Julie. It's been really, really interesting and insightful. We've had a lovely, uh, yeah. a lovely chat. And um... before you go, is there one word of advice to all those <laughs> mums out there or 
keep smiling <laughs> <laughs> keep smiling yes. that's a good one definitely yes well thanks yeah i think we'll be post post sorry i say i think we'll be posting that on our instagram page keep smiling well thank you for allowing me to tell my story um been really interesting oh, to chat with you, you this morning i just want to wish all mothers out there happy mother's day and uh, you and eileen as well included in that oh, thank you very much julian thank you very much the same from us indeed okay enjoy the rest of your day Bye. thanks for joining us it's the mental health podcast with eileen and phil it's the Well, that was lovely as ever, having a guest on and opening up our discussions about motherhood, parenthood even, grandmotherhood, the role of a mother, daughter, sister. Yes, and the idea that um, there there have been times when we've lost, over the course of the last 12 months, uh, these same levels of communication that we would have had otherwise, but equally um, to see things as they are for the future and uh, know that we can regain those things is a really important message, I think. Mm. And I like that um, idea that Julie gave of writing to her grandchildren. And if you visit our Instagram page at... We can get through this pod. You will see a photo of a little wooden token of a bear with a big heart saying a pocket hug and this was um, sent by Julie to her granddaughter in one of those letters that she wrote read about. A lovely thought. A lovely gesture and um, I also loved her notion of smile. Her advice was to keep smiling. Yes, and benefits of smiling. Um, as many muscles or more muscles used in smiling than they are in frowning. That's always, that was always the old adage, wasn't it? So keep smiling not only is good for your mental health, but also good for your physical health, helping you to uh, keep your face nice and uh, uh, relaxed and uh, active. It may sound really simplistic, but apparently it has been proven to be a real mood booster to smile. It makes you feel better and it makes those people around you feel better. Tell me more. (laughs) It's really interesting because my resting face can look look a little bit like a frown or a grimace. So I'm definitely going to take Julie's advice and try to practice smiling a little bit more. Keep those edges of your mouths turned up, not down. It also reminded me of a poem by Spike Milligan. I don't know if many Ah. of you out there... No Spike Milligan. A childhood hero of mine. Oh, really? So I'm going to read you this poem. Yes. Are you ready? Go ahead. Smiling is infectious. You can catch it like the flu. When someone smiled at me today, I started smiling too. I walked around the corner and someone saw me grin. When he smiled, I realised I had passed it on to him. I thought about the smile and then realised its worth. A single smile like mine could travel round the earth. 
So if you feel a smile begin, don't leave it undetected. Start an epidemic and get the world infected. Well, it would be great to think that the coming year has us all infected with a smile. Absolutely brilliant. Yes. Fantastic um, message there in that verse. So, yeah, keep smiling, everybody. And if you do feel that you're struggling, again, you can access support through our services by visiting our website at... Which is www.tanamine.org.uk and go to the opening page, the homepage, where you'll find a support form which you can complete and we will then respond once that's been submitted. And this episode is dedicated to all those women out there, mothers, sisters, daughters, granddaughters, grandmothers, holding everything together. It's been a tough year, but I think you've all done a marvellous job. I know it's been tough, but please keep on smiling and I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We're going to leave you with a little song. Yes, a lovely little song just to uh, remind us about um, motherhood and grandmotherhood. Are you playing? No, it's not me today. It's something much more tuneful. Are you sparing us? I am sparing you in favour of the St Winifred's School Choir. Ooh, a real treat. Bye for now. Sit back and enjoy. Bye.